0: the 2-4 drafts, Austin Gale here with Mike Renner, ready to rock here on a Thursday morning. We're going over the 2021 tight end class. It is it is a good class. The top of the class, Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryer moved to Penn State. Like, those two guys, like, you can see are different on tape. After that, you have – I think there are some good athletes. I think there are some guys that can, like, do some damage in the NFL. But I think there is a difference between these top two guys and the guys after that. Am I wrong?
1: Uh, I think that's – the biggest thing I noticed about this class is that there is a clear delineation between those top two and then the rest at that point. But it's because I, I think that's kind of how the NFL is though. You know, George yeah. Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and then a lot of guys, like there's Darren a lot Waller? of interchangeable. Like, would you put Darren Waller in the conversation? Maybe. Eh, oh, maybe he, he's at least closer than a lot of the rest, but like there's not a lot of guys who can get open on their own. I think that's the biggest thing. And it's even, when you're scouting these guys and watching the play, you just get these flat routes and these crossing routes that that I could run and I could pick up five to ten yards on because there's you know scheme not necessarily schemed open but it's just like a hole in the zone that uh, then accounts for you know a lot of these guys yarders. So just because a guy we'll get to later, guy like Nash, Matt Bushman from BYU, just because he puts up a lot of yardage at time position doesn't necessarily mean he's producing. Doesn't necessarily mean that production even matters. When looking forward to the NFL. So it's a very difficult position to scout because of that. I believe a lot of it just is athleticism and athletic traits and what you can do. But I also believe that there's a lot of replaceability to it. And there's not a lot of, like I said, difference makers in the NFL even that I do think this class. And that's why, because the top two is a special one because of what they can do projecting to the NFL.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think the replaceability is that, like, if you're not like an elite athlete that can do damage after the catch, because you know, it's not it's not easy to scheme open tight ends with these flat routes and these crossers. What's hard is when they get the football, can they move down the football field? That's what you see in George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. I recently pulled in the entire PFF era, so that dates back to 2006. Here are the the seven or eight highest yards after catch per reception averages. In the NFL. George Kittle at one, Selleck at two, Kelsey at three, Kelsey at four, Vernon Davis tied for fourth, and then Kelsey and Kittle again tied for six. Like that, it's these guys that can like have legitimate athleticism and can make moves after the catch that are really going to move the needle in the NFL. And I think when you are watching tight ends, you have to like try and identify that tackle-breaking ability, the yards-after-catch ability. That's what really matters because, like, these big dudes and blocking, obviously, is something you look at as well. But, like, these big guys that maybe are good in contested catch situations, it's – you know, it's – that's – contested catches are not as stable as – things like yards after catch and, and and being able to like kind of create separation downfield so very interesting position to scout I would agree with you that it's one of the more difficult ones because also you get such low sample size like a lot of these tight ends do not get more than 25 receptions in a season how many did George Kittle even have in his career at Iowa or 43 for I mean like you, you you barely had he had like 45 opportunities to see how good he was after the catch and then obviously now he's like Kind of breaking the NFL with how good he is at the catch. It's it's wild to even think about. All right, well let's get into these guys. Let's start with Kyle Pitts of Florida. Man, I mean, you like I said, when you watch the tape and you see something different, that's when you know you got you're you're looking at something rare. When I first watched, it's like, is this guy a receiver? <laughs> I don't know, like, because he they lined him out at wide, they lined him out um, in the slot a ton. He does not play in line a ton, but like. He moves, for a big dude, he moves very, very well, and that is what you look for in the tight end position.
1: Yeah, so he's only 6'6", six, six, 240 is ways listed at. And, and so he's obviously very slightly built for an NFL tight end. Like, that's not going to fly in the NFL necessarily. You're, you're more closer to a wide receiver at that point. Look, you know, Chase Claypool, 238, uh, came out to combine. People are probably still considering him a wide receiver. So he's still undersized, but he just turned 19 in the middle of last season. Like the guy is only a true junior going to be this year and he's young for a true junior. So uh, that is, that's encouraging. Like George Kittle, I think as hit when he was only 19 or whatever, was only like 220 pounds. Like the guy transformed his body over the course of his Iowa career. Now he's, he still needs to do it. Like it's still something that needs to be done, but you bank on that guy doing it more than uh, you know, a senior, a redshirt senior who's 240 pounds. Uh, someone like, uh gosh, his name escaped me the guy last year, Hunter Harrison Bryant from FAU, who is still undersized. That's probably not gonna happen at that point. It's probably not gonna get bigger and be your inline sort of guy. I think that could still happen for Pitts, but the thing that you can't coach, the thing you can't get better at is the way he runs routes. Like he went up against LSU and their cornerback dealer there, Derek Stingley, and was beating him out on the outside. Like other wide receivers, straight up, were not beating Derek Stingley this year. And Kyle Pitts, a tight end, was. They had three wide receivers drafted at Florida this past season, and he led them in receiving yards. Kyle Pitts, tight end. That that doesn't happen. And uh, he, you know, that started, And happen. you
0: talk about, and another thing I wanted to bring up, too. Like you talk about, um, you know, scheming people open, and they run a lot of crossers, a lot of flats, those things. Like he ran like actual routes. They were pushing him downfield. It was not. Not, I mean, he's obviously had some of that scheme production, some things after the catch, but like he was also running routes downfield, creating separation, 10 plus yards downfield. We have, um, you know, Timo Riske, one of our data scientists, but built a tool for us where we can see kind of a heat map of routes run for any player at the college and NFL level. You compare Kyle Pitts to the rest of this tight end class. This dude is way downfield. Yeah. You see way more routes running downfield. and Again, you speak to what's valuable. Yards after the catch breaking missed tackles and pushing downfield. And when you can actually create separation downfield at that size, again, we are talking about a very rare tight end. I think Kyle Pitts, man, tight end one. I don't know if Friar can take him over.
1: No, I I definitely tied that one to me because of that, because what he does, what he offers in that regard and being able to beat man coverage, win one on one is different. You'll see some of these guys that we're going to talk about on this list. They they don't run routes with breaks like the routes don't have breaks where they actually have to cut and do something uh, along their route. And that's what Pitts was running at Florida. Like you see him run deep posts, you see him run digs, things like that, and run them at a high level. Uh, and you spoke to it earlier about, is this guy even a tight, like you thought he looked like a wide receiver and he just does. Like that's why he was so productive is because he looks like a wide receiver when so few tight ends do, they look like tight ends. Uh, but the ones you want are the ones that don't look like tight ends. And that's because that's what wins. Like that, that is what, it's what George Kittle, it's what Travis Kelsey, like the way they move. Aaron Waller that wasn't even a tight different. end. <laughs> yeah, Darren Waller was not even a tight end. Yes, exactly. That's why Chase Claypool, like, we kept saying he probably has the biggest, you know, quote unquote upside. Like he could actually be a dynamic tight end at the next level. Like when there's so few guys, when there's so few guys that have even that athletic ability to do so. So uh, yeah, Cal is legit. I think you
0: also have to kind of tip your cap to Florida for using him the way they did. You know, they they recognized that talent and said, hey, we're going to run you in nub sets. We're going to run you in the slot. We're going to run you outside. The routes are going to be deep down the field. Like that, I I think you don't always see that. Usage at the collegiate level, you'll sometimes see, I think a good name to bring up would be Jalen Rigger. Never used in the slot. Not really given a ton of opportunities to be versatile and do different things. Almost exclusively played X. You know, you'd be encouraged to see a prospect like that do a little bit more and, and be more versatile. I think they used him very well this past year. I'm excited. for I,
1: I think that also speaks to just the level of talent you're working with them. The fact that college coaches are often reluctant to scheme for a player, you know, instead yeah. you know, like with Jalen, they're, they're going to plug a player into their scheme. They're not going to change their scheme for a player, but this true sophomore only 19 years old last year was being, you know, schemed for like, you're not going to put, some six, five, 260 hundred sixty pound tight end runs a four eight. You're not gonna you're not gonna split them out wide one on one against Derek Stingley and have him run a post. You're just straight up yeah. not gonna do that. Like that, that's not something that's gonna happen. Half these guys in this list, you'd get laughed. Uh, Derek Stingley would be laughing his ass off across from them, thinking why the hell is this guy lined up across from me? But with Cal Pitts, you can legitimately do that, and they took advantage of it there at Florida.
0: All right, let's jump to Penn State's Pat Fryermuth This is another guy I watched. and I, I think that what I came away with again. Is you see some you know some difference making ability with what he can do after the catch. I also thought I, I was really impressed with him as a blocker. In addition yeah. to getting in front of guys, he he could pancake some dudes as well. He's a bigger guy, a bully with the you know the ball in his hands. He can knock some guys around. I, I think this is another guy that after the catch, I'm I'm impressed with what he brings to the table.
1: And to speak to what we kind of just touched on with Cal Pitts, they were doing the same thing with Brian with at Penn State. Like they would throw him and uh, you know four wide. And they would put him out, split him wide on his own. And when they got him one on one against a safety or a linebacker, they were going to him. Uh, in the Ohio State game, they, he ran a couple. Uh, I think they had like three times they did that and, and went his way. He ran one really nice slant against uh, I want to say Tough Borland, where he just like it wasn't even close. Like he's you cannot like ha- the other guys on this list after the top two cannot run a slant like that and get open. The way he the did, it's also, just yeah, the foot quickness, the, that sort of thing that just guys don't have, and it's tough. When, I mean, a lot of two hundred. He's listed at two hundred fifty nine pounds, The guys don't move like that. Like it's difficult to find guys that not move that way
0: to have that flexibility, ankle yeah. flexion, and quickness. Like it's just it, you're you, you're now a rare human. <laughs> you, you're yeah. now like a monster with absurd athleticism. So I mean, and you see that. So people are making grunt comparisons, Mike. Are you on? Is it just a number? I
1: mean, honestly, like, I, I I don't know. I don't think it's unwarranted. Like okay, it, the way he moves, and again, at, at his size, because Grock's like his biggest thing was that he was damn near two seventy. Like this guy could get up to two seventy. He's just a naturally big dude. He's only gonna he's a, gonna be a true junior this fall, but he is going to also turn twenty two this fall. So he he took a prep year after high school, which I, somebody's explaining to me how the hell prep years work and why that's even a thing. But I guess he took five years of high school. And so that's why he's going to turn 22. Talk about
0: your fifth year, your victory lap in college. Yeah, dude. That guy must have had a good-ass high school career, man. I Uh, can't. I I can't
1: leave, man. I love these guys. No, but he's, so he's going to turn 22. But again, it's still on the younger side. He still has some developing to do, can get bigger. And uh, he is just very tough after the catch. And it's not just like, Brutish. Some of these guys we're going to talk about later, just like, you know, guys bouncing off of them. He can actually make you miss. Like he can actually, uh, you know, shake you in space if you're not careful. So, yeah, Fryermuth is he's a very, very good prospect.
0: All right. Let's jump to Brevin Jordan, the the Miami Florida. So, th- again, watching these guys back to back. He was a guy that I felt like was schemed open appropriately. And you, you saw some – you you liked some of what you saw after the catch. But, again, he did not enter that, like, difference-making tier for me. He just didn't.
1: Yeah, so there's – to me, this tight end class, there's, like, three tiers. The top tiers, like, clearly, Cal Pitts and Pat Framath are – I don't usually talk about tight ends as first-round players. I don't think they're worth it because a lot of times you're talking about a guy who – has either athletic limitations or production limitations. That hasn't been the case for these two guys and the way they were used. I I could actually get on board with taking those guys in the first round. Brevin Jordan then is in a tier all on his own that he has the athleticism. Like, he could be that guy in the future. He's 6'3", 235, so he's a little on the undersized, but he's only going to be a junior this upcoming season. So, like, he could be that guy. He could develop into it. But, man, his ball skills – uh, his routes at the moment are not there. So he only had three drops on 38 catchable, but like a lot of body catches, and he went two of 11 in contested situations. And I think that's very indicative of just the way he attacks the football. You had times where he would almost get, make himself have contested situations with the fact that he didn't come back to the football. Uh, and I think that two of 11 number speaks to that. So I don't love his ball skills, but the athleticism is difficult to ignore. Uh, so and it's, why yeah. like, I mean,
0: exactly. it's why he's in the conversation, honestly. I mean, it's why he's even in the conversation for, like, kind of tight end three tight end or, or tight end four, wherever it will be, because he has that athleticism. I also think people scout the jersey. Miami has found ways to scout tight ends. I mean, they recruit tight ends. They've had a lot of, like, successful athletes. I mean, you go back to Clive Wolford um, and, you know, David Njoku. Like, they've had these athletes at the tight end position. But, like, translating to legitimate cool. production in the NFL <laughs> – we we've yet we've yet to see like really consistency from those guys but brevin jordan again what i saw is like you see the athleticism but you don't see him making the plays on the football or with the football like you saw these other guys pat friarmuth and kyle pitts all right let's jump to luke farrell the ohio state tight end talk about small sample size had to go back to 2018 to see what this guy could do only 43 targets in three years at ohio state 29 receptions for 343 yards and three touchdowns, very low yards after the catch per reception average across his career. I, I, I get Not even in the same tier as Brevin Jordan, my opinion.
1: Yeah. He is athletic though, a, a big and athletic. And so again, he has like things to work with, which the production the, the production doesn't like move the needle at tight end unless you're actually like doing different things. Like we talked yeah, about, yeah. unless like, you're actually running a different route tree. But if you're running the normal static tight end route tree, which consists of, you know, a corner route, a crosser route, a flat route, uh, a seam route, there's your route tree for 95% of the routes that tight end's get run. It's just like, it's not a dynamic, it's, not a router that needs to be, uh, you need a dynamic athlete to run. But I do think he has better athleticism than a lot of other guys on this list and is already big. He's going to be a redshirt senior. Uh, he had a really nice catch and run touchdown against Michigan State this past season. But It is, again, difficult to say how he's going to do when he only has, what, 30-something career catches? Like, it's just difficult to say what he's going to be, like how he's going to attack the football consistently when you have that small of a sample size. But I, I do think he has starting NFL, at least physical tools.
0: I mean, he's a four-star recruit. He was recruited by Ohio State, Alabama. You know, all these Power Five schools. Yeah. They you know, sixteen offers. This is the guy that where the athleticism that you see, I mean, comes from. Yeah, I mean, are you scouting stars at that point with tight ends? It's it's crazy. <sighs> I think you do you do you you did a good job of kind of outlining the routes you're going to be running. And, and you know, you I remember you look recently looked at like tight ends that are creating separation against single coverage. And even you find tight ends that are good at that it's a small sample size like the, yeah. you know there's there's it's very rare that tight ends tight ends see single coverage like maybe when they're split out in the slot or split out wide but again it's like you need to find open holes in zone take the football forward break tackles yeah. and move on with it or or be different enough to be asked to do different things like running down the field and doing things like George Kittle and, and Travis Kelsey.
1: well they say the ball skill aspect still matters when we talk about with Greg Jordan like you still need that Aspect of it of the position, you still need to be able to catch. Like it's a position where uh you guys like drops are almost unacceptable with the route you're gonna be running. Like you need a guy who's going to be consistent in that regard. But there's a lot of guys who can do that, is the other thing. Yeah. Like a lot of guys have good ball skills, a lot of guys will haul in off-target passes consistently. That's Matt just Bushman. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Matt but, Bushman
0: has great yes. ball skills. He's a big dude that yeah. dominates and contests and catch situations, but Again, not a great athlete. Like, and he's also yes. on the older side. I, I, I,
1: <laughs> on the older side is an understatement. He's going to be 25 <laughs> next year. He's
0: the Hayden Hurst of this class. Yeah. The, but Hayden Hurst was a better athlete, regardless. Let's uh, let's jump to uh, Charlie Kolar, the Iowa State kid.
1: Yeah. So he's a redshirt junior. Um, very productive. Uh, I think his production is right up there with Kyle Pitts for the best uh, coming back in the country. Uh, he has ridiculously good ball. like His catch radius probably as big as any tight ends in this class. Um, he's not necessarily a tackle breaker after the catch, but he always kind of drags the guy at least for a few more yards. Like he's a very powerful dude. Uh, it's really good feel for the position in terms of like, you know, sitting when to sit in a zone, uh, how to get past linebackers and get up to the second level. And, that, and that's uh, how you get but, peppered targets too. Yes, yes. Knowing
0: how to sit in the zone, knowing like, I mean, like, I always go back to that LeFleur quote, but I really sense with me in terms of how he's hookouts, a slot receiver, and I think tight ends are similar in that they're always running against underneath zone and those things. Is are they smart enough to identify these holes and zones, and that way they, you know, they, they are, you know, quarterbacks can find them and target them. Like I think that's what eighty-one targets for a tight end. I mean, even in the Big Twelve is impressive. That you're 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 demanding the football target rate, yards per out run, those types of things. Earning targets is a is a very valuable skill. And I think you see that in tight ends when they can find holes in zone and they're very, very smart, very reliable. This guy does not have a ton of drops in his career, only two drops on 95 targets at, at Kolar. I, I think, again, reliable, smart football player.
1: Yeah, I think reliable and like building trust with your quarterback is a big thing there because the, a lot of your targets are not are going to be contested. They're going to be like, they call them like the safety blankets, the guy you go to when nothing else is really there. Can he still make a play there? I think Kolar has that. He's the highest graded in terms of receiving grade of any of these guys uh, coming back in this draft class. So I think he has those little things, and he has some. He's not an exceptional athlete by any means, but I don't think he's a poor athlete, and he runs fairly crisp routes. So he is tight end four on our draft board right now. All
0: right, jumping down the list here, um, Jake Ferguson, Wisconsin kid. Uh, take take the lead here.
1: Yeah. So another redshirt junior. Uh, he's kind of on the smaller side. Like he still needs to get bigger, but he's already a pretty good run blocker, which is interesting. Like he had, I think like four big time blocks last year, which is the most of any tight end uh, in this class. He was just a very good run blocker. Like if you go to Wisconsin, I think that's kind of a given, like you gotta be that Uh, he hasn't been used a ton, only 43 targets this past year, but he's been really good after the catch. Uh, I think he's had uh, over 15 broken tackles over the past two years. Um, he's just a very physical player all around, which is odd because he's on the smaller side. So if he gets bigger, like this guy could be, but he's, he's just slow. Like he is just slow. Like he's probably going to be in like the four, eight range, which that's just going to limit you. I, I don't, I don't know what you do with that. So he might, Richard Jr. He might be a guy who plays, you know, out all four years and then gets drafted day three sometime.
0: And I, again, it's like, I think when you, when you yeah. first, especially if you're watching these tight ends in order, and then you start getting to these guys that are noticeably slow, noticeably unathletic, and you start to think about how am I going to get a – I hate to bring business terms into it, but a positive ROI on this investment. Because even putting him out on the football field, if you can get like run blocking and that type of stuff, like yes, that's there. But like targeting him, you're not going to get the same return if you're targeting other options, receivers, running backs, et cetera, or tight ends that have more athleticism. Like I want – Athletes with the football. I always say this on the defensive side of the ball too. NFL teams are trying to put more athletes on the football field at every position. It's why like defensive linemen are getting smaller. It's why linebackers are getting smaller. We need athletes to defend the pass and to throw the football
1: effectively. And if you're not an athlete, you're hurting my team. You're you're honestly hurting my team. I think positive ROA is a good way to look at it, though. Like you have in football, you have a limited amount of capital, whether it's cap space or whether it's draft picks and you want to maximize every single inch of those you can't just be like oh we'll take you know we'll take a net zero roi on this it's like no you got to shoot for positive roi because the team that ends up winning the super bowl is going to have a lot of positive roi you you can't just be average you can't just be doing things like that so you want to try to maximize that at every step of the way so i do think it's a very similar sort of thought process that goes in
0: I also think another another resource you have that you need a positive ROI on is snaps. That You only have a certain amount of snaps that you can allocate to all of the players on the offensive side of the ball and defense side of the ball. Who is going to get you – I know there's not plus minus in the NFL, but who is going to get you positive return on those snaps? Is it Jake Ferguson compared to a guy who's a better athlete and maybe can do more after the catch? It's hard to say. All right. Matt Bushman, guy we talked about a little bit, hinted at him a bit. Old dude, great contested catch situations. I, I think he plays – I put this in my notes – plays like he's the heart and soul of this BYU team. Like he's got like – got that mentality, that like high character type of style. You see some of his post-game interviews, like he's a great interview. Like Matt Bushman, though, again, like great contested catch situations, ball skills. After that, the, the strengths list is is short.
1: Yes. So he's already 24. He played baseball or does play baseball at BYU also, um, but he's just not a, an athlete. He's just, I bet you that guy when hits noobs, Yeah. I bet you he I, hits bombs. Because he is a horse. I, I mean, that's, that's a good you know body type for baseball, but he's just not – like, you go watch the Utah game, and they play a lot of man in the Utah game. Burgess. And they would drop – yeah, exactly. They drop Charles Burgess on and impress him didn't have an answer like that. If you can take a guy out with
0: Burgess is undersized <laughs> and like, exactly. Troll Burgess undersized like that. I remember watching that matchup and thinking Bushman should have won that every step of the way. And like, could like, he was being physical though. Burgess was being physical in that matchup yeah. and, and Bushman could not, could not find a way.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, the numbers are great. Like the receiving numbers are great. Like he, he had 688 yards last year, 47 catches, but there's just so few of that is going to translate to the league. To me, he's late day three, like at best. Late day three, yeah. And yeah. that's even like without kind of factoring in that he's 20, like he's old. Like, there, it ain't, I don't think he's going to get much better at this point, you know? Yeah, that's,
0: I mean, you're not wrong. That's, a, that's the point. That's All right, let's jump to the Indiana tight end, Peyton Hender shot. I have not watched a ton of this guy. So
1: he's. Pretty good, this guy actually. So he had 11 broken tackles last year. He's actually physical after the catch, gets up off the ball quickly. Uh, he has some speed to his game, probably like a four-seven kind of guy. Um, but the big thing with him is when well, he's a registered senior, so you're on the older side. And we bring up the age because when it's a position predicated on physicality, when you're if you're the if you're all of a sudden then the biggest guy, and that's only the time you win. The only time you're productive is when you're the biggest guy in the room that's probably not going to be good once you project to the NFL because you're not going to be the biggest guy in the room. Like, you're not going to have that physical advantage anymore. Uh, And if you couldn't win when you were on, you know, almost even playing field in terms of, like, physicality, it's a little worrisome. So he has only was productive in his fourth year of college, only started being productive. And then also this past uh, January, he was arrested for misdemeanor and domestic violence. So uh, no clue what his status is at this point. He is suspended from the team, and we will see what happens there.
0: Pat. Peyton Hendershot fired. Yeah. There we go. Um, all right, Trey McBride, last guy we want to touch on here.
1: This guy now is probably the most interesting prospect to me after those top three. Uh, he's kind of a wild card. He's listed at six. So Trey McBride, Colorado State. Uh, he's listed at 6'4", 260, and he's not even 21 years old yet, which watching him, I'm not sure that 260 – like he didn't look 260 to me, but – that's still, even if like you're 6'4", 255 or like in, in the 250s and at 20 years old, that's a different body type. Like it's tough to get that big yeah. and maintain the athleticism. And he actually looks like he might run in the four sixes, this guy. Like he actually has some speed to his game. 45 catches last year as a true sophomore for 560 yards. Again, like the fact that he's producing at a young age, had, went 8 of 10 in contested situations, Very, very good rate there. Has good ball skills. Only one drop all last year. And the thing I love about him is that he gets the ball and he is going upfield and he is not trying to shake guys. He knows who he is and he is just going to run in a straight line as hard as possible. And it's kind of like that George Kittle thing. He told him, stop trying to, uh, you know, never go down, never go out of bounds. Yeah. It's coach
0: Emery, who I think coached previously, like, um, Guys at UCLA, he's, he's always like you. I read this piece on The Ringer and talked about how he is told every tight end that he's coached, and he's coached a lot of great ones. I can't think of their names right now, but that uh, he's coached a lot of great ones, in, including George Kittle. And it's been this thing like, hey, when you catch the football, do not run out of bounds, do not run side to side. You are a big yeah. dude. Just yeah. run straight. You're bigger than, uh, once you get to the second level, you are bigger than everybody. Like you're literally like, that's the, that's a fact you're bigger than everybody. And I think it's something that George Kittle has brought up as well. That has really like helped him. And I think Tra- you see Travis Kelsey do that. Like tight ends that are bigger than everybody. When they get mm-hmm. to that second level, if you just run straight at full speed. It's going to be very
1: be difficult tough. To yeah. And that's fair. the way, that's the way Trey McBride plays already. Colorado state tight end, which I love. And uh, the only problem is he's just another guy whose route tree is limited running when he was asked to do anything, you know, that had a sort of break and it was pretty meh at this point. But again, young guy, we'll see. He's probably not going to declare this upcoming season. If you're not, he turns 21 uh, this fall. So we'll see if he does, but he's intriguing. At least I'll say. Have you, have you watched the
0: other, the other, I mean, Colorado state has had some, some Warren interesting. Out, yeah. Warren Jackson. Have you watched? Yeah, him he, at
1: all? He's all right. The, the wide receiver. He's not, I we included what, Fifteen receivers in the draft guide. He was probably just outside of that. Just missed the cut.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking
1: about you know Colorado State actually like producing some NFL talent. How does that work? Like you have pop, you have power five schools that will consistently produce no NFL talent. Colorado State is getting guys every single year, but.
0: Yeah, it's it, well, Preston Williams though, I think that was a transfer, that was a different situation. Yeah. They kind of scooped him up off the waiver wire, so to speak. But Richard <laughs> Higgins, obviously you have uh I mean Richard Higgins, Warren Jackson, Michael Gallup, like there's some of these guys that they're actually producing um some NFL talent there. All right, that is the tight end class overview. I'm sure we'll add more as we continue to push through this draft guide. How is the draft guide going by the way?
1: I'm I, on the I don't know if we're gonna add that many more. I mean, the tight yeah. end position, there's like there were twelve drafted all last year. Five guys went on day two. It's not really it, it's fullbacks. He's just, got
0: fullbacks this year. Fullback options. Just no, now. Just in the pack No
1: fullbacks. No kickers, punters. You will will put we'll we might actually put an algorithm for kickers and punters just purely based off of their how they've done in the past. Yeah. And I mean, there's Jeff a piece guy, that has
0: written like, yeah. I mean, that, about, like, the unpredictability of the kicking position. And, like, there, there are guys that are more consistent, but it's rare you find that edge in the kicking game. And he, yeah. he also, I mean, he also mentions in the piece, like, how often, like, Teams are, like, moving on from kickers. Like, he's saying, like, that, obviously, is like, not a, a super viable strategy because you're, like, losing confidence in those things. But it's a very interesting piece that he wrote on that. All right, well, we're, we're moving to kickers now. Probably should close the podcast. This was great. I, th- here's the thing. I think if you leave with anything, scout, you know, scouting tight ends is very difficult. Look for guys that are, you know, above-average athleticism or even elite-tier athleticism that make plays before and after the catch could run different routes because they're mm-hmm. different type of players. And then also Kyle Pitts and Pat Friermuth are those guys in this year's class. And I don't, there's some distance between Pitts and Fryermuth as well. Cause I mean, Pitts, what that guy could do it, yeah. is very, it's much, very different. I mean, I'm interested to see what he does at Florida. Uh, uh, any other uh, key takeaways for you?
1: I will say there's one more thing we didn't really touch on. That's kind of relevant to the NFL nowadays is that if the guy is, is undersized. Like, he better be a ridiculously good a- athlete and a, a very good receiving weapon because teams are, teams don't really give a shit about guys who can't block in line anymore. Like they will put a slot receiver in there over the guy who's this move tight end, who's kind of a liability once you line him up, uh, you know, the defense the so of- respect on- them. The
0: the, the reason you did the reason you had like move tight ends, because like they still like the defense will still like stack that personnel wise and respect that bigger guy being in the box or in line or whatever it may be. But Mm -hmm. now, like if he's a move tight end, he's a bad blocker. I I don't know if you've been watching these at all, but like watching NFL game passes, film sessions with like Derwin James, Desmond King or not Derwin James, Jamal Adams, Desmond King, some other defensive players. They talk about they talk about hey, on this, when I'm going in, the, for some of the first things that they look at from a scouting perspective is, is that tight end a good blocker? And as soon as they find out no, it changes their entire mentality. And I think that's another thing, too. Like If you're bringing it in a tight end and you want the defense to respect it personnel-wise, that dude's got to be able to block and he's got to be
1: on the bigger side. He can't be this move tight end, yeah. frail type. So I think that's a really good call-off. And we're not going to harp on the blocking too much right now because they got another year of you know, development. You lock and change in time, but – uh, that is something that once a draft rolls around does actually matter at that position and will be taken into account for NFL teams. Oh, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for the tight end class overview here on Two and Drafts. Until next time, Mike Brenner and Austin.